1: the unbelievable podcast I am BJ Rydell back here with my guy Drew Maholt and today we are going through Kwesi Adolfa Mensah's first Minnesota Vikings draft class um it was an interesting interesting class for sure Um, a lot of movement for the first year GM um, a lot of kind of unexpected movement as well um, with him trading twice within the division which has mixed has a mixed reception among fans for sure um You know, there's some ups and downs here for sure. I think there's a lot to kind of go over, but ultimately we're not going to know a whole lot about these guys for several years. So, you know, this is not a jump to conclusions podcast. I don't think, I don't think we've ever been those two guys before. And I don't expect us to be the, those guys here today, but um, there are definitely some things that we can kind of jump into here and look, take a deeper look at some, some techniques. I think we learned a lot about Kwesi as well, in terms of what he's looking for, Uh, the types of players that he's going to target and the type of movement that he's going to do within a draft. Um, There was definitely some Rick Spielman tendencies that that I think a lot of you actually pointed out uh, throughout the draft, but ultimately um, it seems to me, this is kind of my overarching theme here throughout this entire show um, is that Kwesi's draft style is that the entire draft is like you need to value each Valuing each individual move is going to get you nowhere because each move kind of connects within the next one. And you have to look at the full scope before you start grading the overall assignment of of what he tried to do uh, this past weekend here. So we'll go through the majority of these picks here, talk about their immediate impact, their long-term impact and kind of how the Vikings were able to acquire some of these players, the maneuvers that Kwasi made. Um, That'll be today's show. So Draft season is finally over. That's something in and of itself. All right. So let's jump into the first round pick here with Lewis seen the safety out of Georgia. Uh, I don't think, and Drew and I were just kind of briefly chatting about this before the show here. I don't think either of us were really thinking like this guy was even on the Vikings radar, particularly in the first round. Um, The Vikings ultimately moved back from the number 12 spot. Uh, they move down to 32, pick up a couple of picks in the process, swap second rounders and add a third. And this is one of those moves where it's just going to be inherently polarizing because first and foremost, it's different, right? And that's um, something that you know members on our you know, group at uh, Climbing the Pocket actually brought up is that you're, if as soon as the, uh, your new GM starts doing something different from your old GM, it feels a little bit fishy. And then as soon as you start trading within the division, you start wondering, okay, does he still think he's in Cleveland? Um, so there's a lot of question marks there. But I guess, what did you think, first and foremost, of the move itself to drop down to 32 mm-hmm. and the value that the Vikings acquired in the process?
0: Yeah, I, it, I mean, the initial reaction for me, and I still kind of feel this way, is there, there had to have been a better move uh, in terms of value retained to move out of 12, if that's what they desired at that moment. Uh, I just can't imagine, you know, giving up 49 as well, in addition to uh, giving up 12 to get what was it, 32 and then 56 and another 66 maybe, uh, whatever it was. I, I I can't imagine that was the best offer out there, and I, I I hope they, I hope they didn't go through the process and and think, well, and, and you know, hypothetically, if that was the only offer that they felt like they had to accept it, right. Um, because it was the only one. I, I Again, we hate, we don't know all the details. We never will. But at, at first glance, it doesn't seem like it was the right move in terms of the value received for the 12th overall pick. You're moving down 20 spots in the first round. Moving down right. 20 spots in the first round is not the same as moving down 20 spots in the fifth round. Right. And I kind of think that might be a little bit of, of the, uh, you know, evaluation process there. That it seemed like they were using. But with that said, uh, the player scene, I... Like you said, not one I had on my radar, not lot, not one that a lot of people had on the radar for the Vikings, but he seems to be a gamer, seems to be something that the Vikings can use defensively. And I look at, uh, you know, what the Vikings now have on the roster. They have Harrison Smith, obviously you have Louisine and you have Cam Bynum and you have the potential to use three safeties. And I don't know, you know, what, if that was in the cards for the Vikings, if that was something that, um, you know, the, the coaching staff at Donatel and maybe Equacy talked about, you know, if the safety's there that we'd like, we're going to take him and we can go three safeties. I hope that was part of the equation because I like Cam Bynum. I think he should be involved. And I think you, you had the potential. There's some really unique stuff, but Steen can play all three levels. He's kind of a, a light Harrison Smith in that way. It also does have that hard hitting kind of intimidating factor about him too. So uh, a really good player. I questioned some of the positional value aspect at safety. And I also questioned kind of the, the trade itself and what the Vikings got in return, but the player himself, Louis seen is uh, he seems like a a solid player. I feel like a pretty high floor too, for his NFL career.
1: Absolutely. So the player itself, I don't have any debate on. Um, I like Louis seen. I think he's a really nice player. I like his versatility as a safety. He's basically a linebacker safety. You know, he's kind of like, he's kind of got some Buddha Baker to him. He's kind of got some Harrison Smith to him. Obviously, the draft profile in terms of his athleticism scores, they match up fairly, you know, very close to what Harrison Smith put up at the combine. What was that back in 2012 or whatever that whenever that was? My God, a long time ago. And so you get a nice player. I don't have a problem with the pick. My problem lies or it's not really necessarily a problem. It's more like the part where I'm skeptical of is the move itself, like Drew was saying. Anytime you move down twenty spots at all, I think you, it, it's kind of like a you turn your head, you do the Bruce Arians gif, and like you're like, what what, what just happened? Twenty mm-hmm. spots down, um, and you end up moving up. What was it, twelve spots in the second round to get a higher second round pick, which you ultimately flipped to the Packers, and you end up getting a third round pick in addition to that. So this was funny because even the analytics debated this one with some value right. scheme, value schemes saying this was a great move, some value schemes saying that. It was kind of a, a no move with like the Vikings maybe po- po- punching up like a little bit. And there were also a couple of them too that said that Detroit fleeced the Vikings. So there was a debate within the analytics community, which is not normally something that we see. And now I'm sure that, you know, there's, there's going to be people saying that, well, some of those systems are outdated. Some of them are more, you know, contemporary to, you know, football now. And that's all true. But the fact that there was an internal debate in that of itself is interesting. Then you look at the film people, too, or the people who are valuing um, less on the side of let's try to get this down to one number and figure out a value for it. And they're valuing more the player and kind of the potential for that player and how that player can be added to your roster immediately and have some type of an impact both immediately and in the future. And that crowd is pissed as well because they wanted Kyle Hamilton. And Mm -hmm. it makes no sense in theory, right? If you're sitting at 12, Why would you move up 12 spots in the second round and add a third round pick when you know you can get Kyle Hamilton to play next to Harrison Smith, who is pretty much by all accounts going to be the better safety again, remains to be seen. I'm not going to judge two players right now, but every scouts account had Kyle Hamilton as number one and Lewis seen was as high as number two, but but traditionally sitting there around number three on most prospect boards. So, There's a question there, whether if you like Lewis C and you think he's the best safety in your class, the fact that the market was dictating that Kyle Hamilton was number one in the class and that he has value in and of itself being a top five overall prospect too. I agree with Drew in the sense that like you should have gotten more value. You should have moved down to like 23 or something like that. And then if you want to move down to 23, okay, cool. Then you move down to 30 after 32 after that. If you still think that you can get yeah. more value at that point in time, the point is that I'm making here is that, and I think it was Matt fries from our team that made this point and did this very, very well, is that the market was basically saying, this is what this pick is work, worth. And the Vikings were like, all right, we'll take a little bit less than that. And that's not a savvy maneuver in my opinion, regardless of whether or not you got the player that you wanted or not. The value for seeing at 32 is tremendous. The value for the trade itself is questionable to say the least. And I have a lot of skepticism about that being the very first move that quays. Yeah. And then you also have to throw in the fact that I have been, I, I don't, I feel like I'm screaming into a wall because no one seems to feel this way. Like, like I do, but I cannot believe that the Vikings are even thinking about trading in within the division. Now I understand the people saying, okay, well, you know, if Detroit was going to move up to 12, they were going to move up to 13 anyways. Right, they were gonna find a new trade partner and they were gonna get up there anyways. I may as well get optimal value. The Detroit with the Green Bay deal that we'll get to in a second here, that makes a little bit more sense for me. I can kind of get on board with that thinking because you know, based off of the value the Vikings received in that move, that the Packers were going to, they were they were starving, right? They needed to get a wide receiver. Yeah, that they one was it seemed the like
0: audience. they were the recipients of someone being desperate a little bit more there.
1: Right, but this not one, in this deal.
0: The combination of the division plus, you know, the 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 value received for what you gave up. I mean, it it, it didn't. Something was a little off with all that whole trade, really, to me. Especially and I don't with, know if I'll ever really get over it.
1: Especially with so many other teams moving up for the wide receiver position, right? Like, yeah. you get, Ultimately, Detroit takes Jameson Williams. Right? He's gonna. He's got an injury history. Uh, remains to be seen if he actually will ever reach his potential. I'm betting on because the Vikings traded with Detroit that he will reach that potential versus foremost. And second of all, why, why couldn't you have traded with someone else that also wanted a player? I mean, Chris Olave was taken right in that same range. Uh, Garrett Wilson slipped as well. I mean, a bunch of teams were trading up to get into that what eight to 14 ish range and moving around to get, not just wide receivers, but other positions as well. It just feels to me like the market did not dictate the result in this case. And that's why I'm not thrilled about the maneuver, the player, very nice, like Louis like his future potential with the Vikings, like what Ed Donatel could potentially do with him. But you also are putting a lot of pressure on Ed Donatel to make sure that value is optimized now too. Right. Um, this is a player where if you're taking him just to be a safety, he might be a very good one, and that's just fine, but then the value doesn't meet in terms of positional value in my mind. Now, if you're taking him to be a safety linebacker, off-the-edge threat, uh, everything else that he did at Georgia, tackling menace, if you will, makes a little bit more sense to me, but that's on Ed Donatel, and that's something that I can't yeah. value today, so A lot of moving parts there with kind of what happened. Ultimately, happy with the player, not happy with the maneuver. That's kind of where I land in that spot.
0: Yeah, I'm also hoping Harrison Smith kind of accepts the mentor role a little bit better than Ryan Tannehill uh, to kind of, you know, move, kind of teach Lewis scene and, and help him mature into the NFL player because I imagine that transition there. Uh, the next two to three years will have to happen where Smith is no longer a Viking and scene kind of takes over as the primary safety. So, um, but I mean, I kind of want to move on to the second pick here too, because, you know, the Vikings and Clemson defensive backs have an interesting history. Uh, But I think, you know, the Vikings fandom was kind of clamoring here for booth all throughout kind of the end of that first round and into the early second round. And the the, the the way they were able to get him while still moving back again, kind of in, in a way, again, I'm still a little bit uh, caught up with the idea of trading in the division, especially with a rival in the division, the, such as green the Bay
1: rival.
0: Yes. The rival. Uh, I, but I think the Viking has got a really good end of this trade here. Uh, and I think Booth is one of those guys that uh, a little bit of a sleeper at the position and one that, everybody wanted. And I think that's, that's something to be excited about. Um, and I think we I don't want to say redeemed himself. Right. But I think he took a a step back in the right direction after what to me is still kind of a, a, a sketchy, questionable move in the first round.
1: Yeah. Andrew Booth, definitely a very nice player. The value on this deal considerably better, right? There's not as much debate, if any, in terms of what the Vikings were able to acquire to move back, what was it, nine spots to select Andrew Booth at 42. So you get tremendous value at the player in Booth who a lot of people, I believe ourselves included, actually debated this, you know, taking in the top 20. Now, this is also a player that has an injury history, a very significant mm-hmm. injury history at that, but he's not shy about it either. I mean, he got right on, you know, Vikings, uh, Vikings Network or, you know, whatever the, the Vikings.com website, whatever they call themselves, and essentially said, you know, I haven't been healthy since I was in high school. And so, like, there's two sides to that, right? There's the my goodness, I sure hope our training staff knows what they're doing. And then there's the other side of it where it's like, maybe this guy's potential is even higher than we initially even thought it would be because he hasn't been healthy his basically yeah. his entire adult life.
0: Which I like the high ceiling, you know, low to- floor type of move there. I do, uh, because I think you get a tremendous value there. You see a guy slipping because of that injury history, take that chance uh, because it's one that could pay off big time and really elevate this defense very quickly if you can get a guy that's you know turns into a kind of uh you know intimidating shutdown corner that suddenly transforms the entire defense and i'm not saying that will happen with booth but i think you know the number one hurdle there is injury history and if he can stay healthy i think that possibility becomes much more likely
1: yeah if he's able to stay on the field i think that there's a very good likelihood that he is starting for the vikings for many years um, this is my favorite. This is my personally, my favorite pick in the entire draft. I don't like, again, I'm going to say this again, and I'm not going to turn into a broken record here on the trading within the division, but I don't like trading within the division. I don't like trading with the Packers. That really pissed me off. I was not a fan of that move. I understand that it's kind of a double-sided thing. I think it was a San that pointed out that if you're going to fleece anyone in a trade deal, in terms of value, why not fleece your number one division rival? And I'm with that. I understand that point of view. Um, I just – I think I'm going to be stubborn on this one. That's really what it comes down to is I'm going to be stubborn on this is because ultimately you gave the Packers what they needed. They needed a wide receiver. You gave
0: them what they wanted, yeah. I mean, that's the problem, but that's the part I'm I'm struggling with is we are serving the Packers what they need and what they wanted and and kind of what we had been trolling them about for so many years is that they didn't – they never grabbed a receiver. They never – uh, took that leap at the wide receiver position. Now they have now here's the thing in, in a year or two, we'll come back and look at this. And if it's, you know, Laquan Treadwell 2.0, then that'll be great. And kudos to you, Quasi, for the move. Right. Uh, right. But it also could very quickly, you know, you know, veer the other way and we'll be, I, I imagine the Vikings front office could be easily regretting this in a big way. If, you know, is it Christian Watkins, I believe, is that his name? Watson. Um, Watson. Uh, if he really turns into something special for Green Bay, uh, which, which seems likely given their passing attack.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, if, it's, remember who their quarterback is, right? Like Aaron Rodgers optimizes the potential of every wide receiver he's ever touched, right? I mean, Marquez Valdez Scantling just signed a $10 million average a- annual salary. I don't think there's anyone in Vikings Nation who thought he, can, that he was a good wide receiver.
0: He you runs know? in a straight line really fast. Exactly. That's about it.
1: And you got Devontae Adams getting the biggest contract of all time for the wide receiver position. Again, I thought he was a really nice player coming out of Fresno State. I didn't think he was that good. Um, And we're going to find out with both of those players. But my inclination is that the quarterback has a high influence on what these guys can do. So if you have talent, which Christian Watson does in terms of being able to run routes, and in terms of being able to get open, in terms of straight line speed and change of direction speed, which he has all those things, Aaron Rodgers can make you look pretty damn good. And that's a problem for me. So I won't harp on that too much. So I know everyone's sick of hearing about that, but that's where I stand in that is that I love the player that they got in Andrew Booth. And I, I do love the idea of Andrew Booth and Christian Watson being stuck together kind of forever because they're going to be playing against each other, hopefully for a very long time. That yeah. will
0: be a fun matchup to watch like on we'll TV, you know, head. To, hopefully they're matched up like, you know, yeah. right in front of each other face to face. And for you will many, literally many get snaps. to see
1: who flees to throughout the yeah. life of this deal. So, yeah, I mean, we'll see. Um, I don't I ha- I'm, I'm skeptical again. So we're two for two in skepticism, which is not necessarily the best way to start off your career as a general manager. The only thing I will say is that Quayce has four years, right? Like, it's not like they're not going to, the Wilfs are not going to fire this guy for doing something different. And I do appreciate that he is doing something a little bit different. There are just some little pieces of it where I would tweak it a bit. And, but there's also a reason I'm not a general manager. So, you know, there's, there's all of these different elements coming together. And I think it's very fair to be skeptical of how the Vikings got there. But if you look at the Vikings roster and you think about what they acquired with those first two picks, I think it's very you can very comfortably say that they got better at their most you know, problematic area on their 53 man roster right now, increasing the viability yeah. of their defensive backs with Lewis scene and Andrew. Beatton.
0: And I like so that. I kind of want to transition based on what you just said, right. Moving and improving on the defensive back spot. Um, mm-hmm. I know this is a little bit skipping around, but maybe we can kind of, um, Maybe we well, go to around, we can well we can kind of go going. to what we think is maybe our favorite pick of the draft release. these maybe maybe like favorite mid to late round pick. Mm-hmm. I know you said Booth was your favorite pick, uh, right. but mine was uh, a Caleb Evans, mm-hmm. Missouri mm-hmm. in the fourth round. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that right. I'm trying to read it uh, the the phonetic pronunciation, but um, I I kind of like that in the sense. Again, it's another kind of to me a high ceiling, maybe maybe low floor but high ceiling risk type of play. And I, I like that because he's a big corner. Uh, he's got the size. He's long. It's kind of a corner that Mike Zimmer would appreciate, honestly, um, that those measurements. But another guy who, and here's the thing, if, it, if the cornerback position doesn't work, his career won't be over because he's got the size and he can transition to safety where he could also be of, of value. And that's what I like. Again, more versatility there uh, on the defensive side. So he's physical. Uh, I think he kind of matches the attitude of, what this defense appears to be molding into is this kind of physical, like punch you in the mouth type of of attitude. That I th- it seems to be like what the roster build is trying to showcase a little bit, and so I like that a lot. I think that's really good value there in the fourth round, and I think the Vikings could uh, really benefit from kind of taking that chance there too. And so between Booth and Evans, I think the cornerback position. Uh, could see a really nice uptick this year again, pending the health of Booth for sure, but then also the development of Evans. If done right, I think he could turn into a special player.
1: I mean, you know who Evans looks like, right? He looks just like Xavier Rhodes when he came out of Florida State in terms of like his physical ability. Now, did it take Xavier Rhodes a little bit of time to figure it out? Yeah, and is he on the back end of his career now and kind of aging quicker than maybe expected? Yeah, that too. So it's not a one-to-one comparison by any means, but if you look at the physical frame, the athletic, the athletic traits, there's some comparable numbers there, um, and especially to get a guy like that in the fourth round, you know, I watched some, I watched some tape on this guy because, first of all, I love cornerback, the position itself, and it's the easiest thing for me to watch on film without feeling like I'm doing work, right? Um, and Evans has very good instincts around the football once it gets to the catch point as well, which is something you can't, you, I mean, you can teach it, right? But those the level of instincts and the way to turn around and find the football and slap it out of the wide receiver's hands or get your hands up into a position where they can't catch it at all, that's not really something you can teach. You can hope to try, but it's something that's based. You get a
0: big head start if you can do that naturally, right? Absolutely. So he's so he's got like he. he, I mean, he's raw to a degree, right? You have to be if you're not. You got his measurables, and you're in the fourth round. But I think there's seriously some potential there that uh, if he can fine tune a few things, like he could turn into a really nice starting player. And I, I can very much see a scenario where it's booth uh, and, and Evans kind of as that one, two punch at corner for several years. Uh, so I'm excited to watch him in camp, you know, go up against Jefferson and Thielen and these guys that are savvy and quick yeah. and know how to win at the line, like where, how he can quickly learn from them. Uh, because that will be fun to watch.
1: Absolutely. I really like that pick as well. I think that would probably qualify as my favorite mid round selection. Um, the other ones that I really liked are, are the, honestly the ones that are right around them. I think that Quasi did a really good job from about the third round through about the fifth round. And then, of course, once you get into the sixth and the seventh, it's kind of just you're throwing lotto tickets. Yeah, yeah. Um, throwing darts at a board, right? Um, and it's not as, it's, it's, you could say A or F, or whatever, <laughs> but I don't think anyone really knows. Um, but in that third to fifth round range. I mean, you get Brian Asamoa as well, the linebacker from Oklahoma. Um, you four get,
0: five six 40.
1: Oh, yeah. Undersized, and Kwesi talked about this. This is one thing I really did appreciate about Kwesi's draft is that he was extremely transparent both immediately after and then on the radio the following week uh, with why he made selections and the kind of the usage for these players, whereas Mike Zimmer was – and Rick Spielberg yeah. were a little bit more tight-lipped and you didn't really get to understand what they were even trying to trying to do in the first place. Ryan SMO Samoa is an undersized linebacker. That's the first thing that everyone is going to point out when they talk about this guy. But Quasey said, well, yeah, I, I, I'm aware that he's small and I'm aware that his build doesn't necessarily uh, fill out this in the way that you typically would want for an interior linebacker or a guy, even necessarily an outside linebacker in a 3-4 scheme. But you don't necessarily see it on tape. And if you watch about, I think you got to watch enough film of this guy to really get a good feel for what that means, because it's not just, you know, you can watch three plays and be like, oh yeah, he plays, you know, he plays bigger than his size, whatever. You need to watch enough film to really see it be consistent. But I think there's something to that opinion that Quasey has and that this is a very athletic guy that the fact that he is, you know, small, And I say that in quotes because he's 6'1", 228, right? Yeah. 6'3", 245, or like 6'3", 6 or 285, like Brandon Spikes or something like that. But this is a different league. He's got to be able to trail tight ends. Um, He's, to some degree, got to be able to uh, bracket slot receivers. Um, That size could be a good thing, depending on what Ed Donatel likes to do here or wants to do with this player. So there's a very real chance that he provides value beyond just what linebacker says or what you think for in terms of conventional wisdom on what a linebacker should look like. And so I like this pick. I'm open-minded with this pick. And I also, I will say he's also very, very successful at a highly touted program, a highly successful program for multiple years. And he's got the leadership traits, the characteristics in terms of, you know, being a high character guy, um, which is something that we can't quantify and really don't know the answer to, but everything suggests that he is in that space. Um, so I'm a fan of this pick. That was one of my favorites as well. And the one directly underneath the uh, Caleb Evans as well, Asazi Atomowo. will probably blow in that name, but I'm going to blow it every time I try to say it on this show, the golden golfer great PR move for your Vikings after what they did in the <laughs> second round with that Ingram. Um, and I also like the potential fit as well. Um, you need someone that can play five technique in a three, four defense, or at least someone that can rotate in. So I think that's a good value selection in the fifth round as a guy that could potentially get some reps. To the rookie.
0: Yeah. I was going to mention him too. Uh, it seems like, you know, has the, the build and, the, the, the traits to that you can go probably inside or outside too, on the line. Uh, right. you know, especially like a pass rushing downs, like he could get they can get really creative with it. remember what that playoff game against the saints, when they brought inside, uh, they brought Hunter and Griffin inside yeah. and they had, I mean, stuff like that. If, if, if Donatelle sees an opportunity there, I think he's one of those guys that you can get flexible with and go either way. So I like that a lot too. Um, again, another one of those that I think has maybe, a maybe a, a lower floor and higher ceiling. But again, I'm all for those types of picks because at this point in the draft, that's what you're, that's what you should be aiming
1: for. Right. Once we once you get into that mid round, that day three area or that late day two, you're looking for players who have one or two traits, and then maybe another trait or or two that you can develop. Um, you can't teach size, so you're definitely getting that with uh,
0: yeah
1: a, a low or what you,
0: six five. Size? You know, but I don't remember the measurements. But he, big two, dude, too
1: big, too big for. You know, like if I was standing next to him, he'd make me look small. He's 6'6", 285. (laughs) Big, big boy, right? Um, So you can't teach that in and of itself. And then there's the technique, the Big Ten play, playing within, you know, against Wisconsin offensive linemen, Michigan offensive linemen, Iowa, you know, the Cornhuskers, all those guys. I mean, you get good volume in terms of your level of experience as well against quality competition. So I like all of those things. And, yeah, are there things that he needs to work on? Absolutely. He wouldn't be a fifth-round pick if there were. Um, but I think there's developmental traits there. You got a good body type there and you could say the same thing about a Caleb Evans as well in terms of you got some things that you can't teach with these guys and you got some things that you feel like you can teach and that's what you're aiming for in that middle to late round, um, of the draft. So honestly, I think from Brian Asamoa, Caleb Evans, uh, and then moving on to Ty Chandler as well, the running back out of North Carolina. That's four quality selections in a row in terms of guys who may not ever be starters at any point in their entire career, but you will get snaps from each of these guys and you'll probably get snaps from them all immediately. And that, yeah. in and of itself, I feel like is a win.
0: And you can envision them playing a, a sizable role on like a, a playoff team or a, a contending yeah. team if that's and that ultimately is what you're trying to build here, right? And I think. You certainly have hit that at least with these guys, uh, so I'm excited. I mean, I overall, I, 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 I overall, I'm pleased with what Quasi did. Don't agree with everything. I certainly don't agree with all of the the, the method of which he was able to get these guys right, but uh, the actual players, the actual prospects that he selected and brought onto the team, overall, I, I, I you can't be upset about it. Uh, I think there's probably a missed opportunity there with maybe earlier in the first round, grabbing a guy. I think We don't know what the trade discussions were like, right. uh, maybe getting a, a more of a blue chip prospect compared to Lewis seen but the actual quality and quantity of the players brought in has to be uh, it's, I think it brings some more optimism to, to Vikings fandom here uh, over the summer.
1: Yeah, I definitely have what, I, what I'm coining as skeptical optimism where yeah. there's a lot of questions that I have. We're, we haven't even talked about Ed Ingram, and really, I don't want to get into that. I'm sure mm-hmm. you guys have heard about that plenty. But I'm skeptical of like that move in and of itself. That player, to me, shouldn't have been on any draft board. It probably wasn't. So why would you even take him in the second round? And let alone, why would you bring a player with that level of character um, to this organization, which I think is a questionable move from your fr- uh, first-year GM as well. That being said, everything else that's done around that pick, basically, I find positives in. Right. I would have loved to use that pick for something different, especially in the second round. I don't like that because that's the value that you got from the Packers. Right. I don't like that value, but the mid round stuff to me kind of outweighs the question marks that you have about the other players in this group. Um, And if you can get one or two spot starters and maybe two starters from this draft class, that feels like an overall win to me. And I think that you're going to get two starters for sure. And Lewis, this would be like kind of my bold prediction. Like my, I don't really know anything, but like, here's what my first, lo- like my first look at this class thinks. I think you're going to get two starters in Lewis scene and Andrew Booth. I think you're going to get a rotational starter or a guy that's going to give you a high number of snaps, snaps in Brian Asamoa. I don't know what that's going to look like, whether he's playing true linebacker or something different within that three, four scheme that Donatello going to be running. I think that you're going to get good quality reps and possibly rotational snaps from a Evans with the potential to maybe see him as a starter or a spot starter at the very least within, by the time we get to about the end of his rookie contract. And I think Ty Chandler and Sasey Atomolo, both of those guys are going to be immediate impact players in terms of what they're able to do as rookies. And then you think about Alexander Madison's contract expiring and the value that ty chandler brings with dalvin cook being on the roster a potential guy that you might be looking reviewing his contract um in the future too i like the idea of taking a bunch of running backs or taking a running back late in the fifth sixth seventh round. that's
0: when you should be drafting him anyway i think we
1: take that swing right there and especially with a guy that has a full bill of skills right i mean this is a guy that can catch passes out of the backfield it's a guy that can run the football as well uh I think there's very real potential to get something out of him as well. So I just lifted off what, one, two, three, four, five, six players from this class. And who knows about, you know, Vidarian Lowe, who's got unbelievable character out of Illinois. Jalen Naylor, who's incredibly fast and has some skills that you could potentially mold. And then Nick Muse. I mean, all of these players have at least one skill. And that's not necessarily enough at the NFL level. But they have one skill where you're like, okay, maybe with this guy. And that's what you want to do. So... Overall, I mean, I think this is like a B draft. I don't, yeah. nothing jumps off the, you know, jumps off the page at me, but we might look back at a couple of years and be like, hey, yeah. think this is a l- couple long term starters from this. group.
0: Yeah, it's no, nothing magical or no, no wizardry done here uh, to, to land these guys, but I think there's a lot of positive, there's more positives than negatives uh, for sure. So I think, you know, I, I think Quasi passed his first test, if you will, uh, at least from the first impression right now. A lot of people are going to argue doing a draft grades segment or, or write up or whatever you, however you consume right. post draft content is, 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 silly anyway. Cause you can look back and see, you know, how people thought about Patrick Mahomes pick or, you know, when you name the player, or you name the pick, there's probably someone that doubted it immediately. So, uh, but overall, I think, you know, there's things to be skeptical about, but it seems like the players brought in have are, are, are a solid bunch. Yeah.
1: And I think we're going to see Lewis see scene week one. And, you know, another thing I appreciated, too, is someone asked, uh, I'm trying to remember who it was, it wasn't Jamal Stevenson, it was someone else within the kind of the director of scouting um, role, they said, you know, what do you expect from Andrew Booth this year, like, do you think that he can start? And the answer wasn't yes or no, it was, it's up to him if he could be healthy. So this regime does not care about your status as a rookie. They care about what you're able to do on the field and if you're able to be on the field in the first place. So I don't think we're going to have any Stefan big situation where the guy should have been starting week one or Justin Jefferson even mm-hmm. more so. Um, I don't think we're going to see that in this in this regime with Kevin O'Connell. They're going to start the best player regardless of who you are, um and that means that that's more opportunity and gives I guess more motivation in my mind at least uh, for these young players to come in and make some level sure. of an immediate impact. So. I'm overall satisfied with this draft. Class. Mm-hmm.
0: That's, that's yep.
1: kind of what I feel It's satisfied. I'm not ecstatic. Um, there's not one player that I truly love. I do really like Andrew Booth, but ultimately I think. Yeah. We'll see what happens. And how I will I'm say
0: excited. they, they avoided the, the, you know, what the hell is that pick? Like, you know, Willie Beavers back in the day yeah. when <laughs> he was completely off all the draft boards and the Vikings go fourth round and, you know, things like that or more. It's boringer. like, it doesn't seem like the Vikings have, have, have made that move this year. So, uh, a lot of good, a lot of good, I think reason for optimism.
1: Absolutely. All right. So I believe that about encompasses all of these picks here within about 45 minutes, which was what we were going, which we, what we were going for here today. So, uh, that concludes our draft coverage. If you want to call it that, um, this show is not very focused on the draft but we got through it here and we're happy to be through it. And uh, now we get to look through forward to the summer here, what the Vikings are going to be doing in the immediate future how these guys all factor in um, with their new environment and a way that the, the team decides to build the roster roster post draft. We've already seen, for example, Tyron Matthews signing with the New Orleans saints. There's still some moves to be made out there. There's still some nice players out there as well to fill some of these potential holes that you may see. Um, and there are some other questions too. Like for example, Garrett Bradbury, are you, are you going to be the starter at center? Cause it's starting to look that way. So we'll discuss all that kind of stuff throughout the summer, figure out what others, what anything else that comes up and we'll deal with it at that point in time. But we appreciate you guys listening to us. Uh, is there anything that we did not touch on here today that you want to get out of the way before I leave this out?
0: I, I don't think so. Uh, it's that, but you know, like i said we're wrapped up a draft season now we're getting closer to actual football again which is which is fun
1: yeah always the best feeling in the world the closer you get to football season and by the way thank you to anyone that did turn out um at the brewery this past weekend um, and hung out with our guys that were there um and or if any of you that watched the live draft show that you know everyone from our team uh, for the most part participated in um you know dave did a great job producing that i watched some pieces of it i couldn't obviously be on because of the other commitments that I have but I, I think that they put together a really nice product and I hope that you guys enjoyed that with the rest of the climb in the pocket team um, I thought they did a great great job so thank you guys for watching that. And if you want to find us on the show, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, wherever else you listen to your podcast, we are available there. Um, Daily Norseman as well. And then of course, if you want to watch us on YouTube, you certainly have that luxury. Uh, we do allow for you to do that. Um, although I will say you're not going to get any cool cosmetics or anything like that. That's going to you know, lead you away from the audio for sure. So thank you guys for listening and we'll catch you.